We are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Um, I got one agenda this morning, and that's to provoke you to righteousness. And so I have no other reason than being up here. I'm not here to impress you. What you think about me, I do not care. My wife loves me, and my kids love me. And so I am here to preach the truth in love. And because I love you so much, I must tell you the truth. Amen? And I always pray before I preach, so let's do it. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being amongst whom I consider the greatest on the planet, which is your church. And so, Holy Spirit, I invite you in this place. You will not be grieved. You will not be offended. I ask you, in Jesus' name, to fill this room. Holy Spirit, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit, says the Lord. So I pray that every ear is open, every heart is open, every mind is open to receive that which you have for them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so um, I am going to share my quick journey for the sake of time because that clock is not going to stop. But I'm originally from Chicago, born and bred. I grew up in the projects on the south side of Chicago. My grandmother raised nine kids, which she had by five different baby fathers. And so my grandmother was a single mom raising nine kids in the projects on welfare. And when I was 10 months old, my mother was murdered at the age of 17. So my mom had my brother at 14, had me at 16. She was shot in the head at 17. I never met my father. I don't know who he is. My family don't know who he is. My uncle was in a gang. He was murdered, shot in the head at 17. My aunt was in a domestic violent relationship. Her boyfriend murdered her at 28. And I had another aunt that died at 15 from a brain tumor from asbestos in the projects. And so my grandmother raised nine kids. Four died. She raised nine grandkids on welfare in the projects. So I grew up with a huge question mark on top of my head of who am I? And why am I here? I completely rebelled. And my grandmother did the best she could with what she had. And my grandma had one rule in our house, and it was this. I don't care what you do between 8 and 3.30, just don't come home. (laughs) Now, mind you, she just raised nine kids. Now she raised nine grandkids. So school hours was vacation time. Come on, somebody. She was like, I don't care where you going. You getting up out of here. No one in my family tree at that point finished high school. Nobody in my family went to college. So education was literally on the back burner. And so there was two main reasons why I went to school. Number one, I got a free meal. I was on a hot lunch plan. I knew if I went to school that day, I would eat because there were times I would come home and I'm hustling, eating syrup sandwiches, sugar sandwiches. Y'all know about those. (laughs) Trying to survive. Powdered milk. Disgusting. Right from the pit of hell. Come on, somebody. And so I knew if I went to school that day, I would eat. The second reason why I went to school, I love gym class. Come on, somebody. I don't know what P.E. is. I went to gym. Old school red dodgeball print to the face gym class. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all know it was going to be a fight on dodgeball day? 
Come on, not these new dodgeballs. Tickle me Elmo dodgeballs. Come on, you go to dodgeball today, you get hit, you laughing. Oh, no, brother, we was fighting. And so I loved gym. I picked up a basketball, and for me, it became an escape of reality. It didn't matter what was going on in my house. It didn't matter what was going on in my life. All the pain, all the struggle, when I got a ball in my hand, I can escape it. And so basketball literally became my life. My desk sat next to the teachers. I was a kid that was always in trouble. I was a kid that was suspended. And, man, I was just a troubled kid. I was exposed to a lot of things at a very early age. I was watching pornography at nine. My grandmother had boxes of it in her room. We would sneak in her room. She would have parties all the time in the basement. We would go in her room, lock the door, and pull out the porn and watch it for hours. To my struggle, when I hear porn and pancakes, yo, that's, that's, that's deliverance for some, for some of us. So, man, I was exposed to a lot of things. My uncles, I remember sitting in the living room, and they would have, they call them blunt parties now. They call them weed parties when I was a kid in the 80s. And I would get high off contact, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. They would give me beer. I was in a gang by 12. I was selling crack cocaine by 14. Barely graduated the eighth grade. My grandmother had to meet with the school board in order for me to graduate the eighth grade. I never did homework. I would come home, throw my books down, run outside. I would be outside at 10, 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. No structure in my home. No discipline in my home. There was no love in my home. And so, man, I was a wreck. I made it to high school. My high school was 2,500 kids. My freshman year, I was five foot four inches. Nearly 300 kids tried out for the freshman boys basketball team, and I made the team. Come on, somebody. I started as a freshman. I started as a sophomore. I started as a junior, and I started as a senior. I was the man. No, for real, I was the man. I could do whatever I want with whoever I want. I was the most popular kid in my school, homecoming court, prom king, all that crap. It was stupid. (laughs) Nobody told me it was stupid. I was chasing popularity. I was chasing stuff thinking it would fill a void in my heart. And it only got bigger. I thought, man, if I could sleep with her, if I could hit this beat, if I could drink, do this party. And I remember at 18 years old having this thought, if this is what life is about, I'm about to be bored. Is this what everybody on 10 about all the time? This is boring. And so I'm being recruited my senior year. I had a lot of schools looking at me. I always wanted to leave Chicago. I was like, I'll take a scholarship to Alaska. Send a brother to Africa. Get me up out of here. Do go by here. But man, I would have hooped anywhere. Man, I scored a 14 on my ACT. How many think you go to college with a 14 ACT? Raise your hand. You better not raise your hand. You ain't going nowhere. You with me, chilling at community college. <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with community college, by the way. But that was not my plan. But I didn't do any work. And you will, whatever you sow, you will. I didn't do nothing, so I couldn't go play D1 ball. So I ended up taking the scholarship to a community college. I played one year of basketball there. And when I was 19 years old, I had an encounter that rocked my life. My first cousin was a leader of a gang in our neighborhood. He had nearly 300 kids under him, ages 12 to 18 years old. Five neighboring communities in our neighborhood. They carried guns for him. They carried dope for him. Whatever he told them to do, they did. Well, he met this girl one night, walked her home. Her dad locked him in the living room, preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to him, and he gave his life to Christ on the spot. 
We met at 19. He told me about who Jesus was. I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. It rocked my life. I finished at that community college with an associate's degree, transferred, got my bachelor's and master's degree. I'm the first ever in my family to go and attend college. And some of y'all might be thinking, what does, that, what does that have to do with me? We from Kokomo, Indiana. We live nice, we drive nice, we balling. We got a couple things in common. Let me just give you these two in a minute in 39, 38, 37 seconds. Number one, you got the data leave here. We have this in common. We have the data leave here. So the question is, how do you want to be remembered? When you die, people are going to talk about you at your funeral. What do you want them conversations to be? I am convinced with every fiber of my being that God has called you to leave a mark with your life. You are not here by accident. God, listen, in everything that God created, he created for a purpose. I never hear the sun complaining about shining. I never hear trees complaining about growing. They are fulfilling the exact purpose in which God intended for them to fulfill. How about you, who's made in his image? There's a purpose for your life. You got to discover what it is. And it starts with meeting the one who created you. The second thing we got in common, we all born sinners. You come that way. It ain't your mama fault. It ain't your daddy fault. Degrees don't matter. Color your skin don't matter. You born into sin. And it's that sin that separates you from a holy God. And you know what? Adam did us in. Jacked us up. You know, when I, when I make it to heaven, I'm going to be excited to see Jesus chilling. But you know the first person I'm beelining it for? Adam. I'm like, bro, you realize you plummeted the entire human race, dog? Like, how you even up here, dog? Like, how you make it, B? Oh, listen, God had to rewrite a whole story because of you, dog. But Adam did a sin because one man's sin, it plummeted the entire human race. So you born into sin. And it's that sin that separates us from God. But God had a plan. He lost his family in the garden and he refused. Catch this. He refused to leave us as bastards. So he looked to his son and said, will you go? He said, absolutely, dad. And Jesus came. Bore all of your sins, died on a cross. He was innocent, died for you so that you may have life. So those are two things we have in common. For the next 19 minutes, I want to talk to you on the title of, they're going to put it on the screen. So what now? So what? So what now? You could say, so now what? What do you do when you feel like you just hit a wall in life? What do you do when you feel like God hasn't come through for you in your life? This message was birthed out of an experience, let alone I just shared my life story. My grandmother died of brain cancer in 2012. My wife was diagnosed with MS this past December. And so I remember crying out in my closet to God. God, you've seen everything I've been through. I've already been through hell. Now you're telling me, I mean, I could give you a story for each one of my kids' births. My fourth one wasn't even supposed to be here. My wife had a blood clot in her lung and told us not to get pregnant. We fasted, got pregnant, and this little dude is a stud. <laughs> now, I could go through the list, of, and I'm just in my cro- closet crying out like, God, what else? Come on, I barely made it here. 
Now all is so now what? What happens now? And some of you might be feeling that way. You up against the wall. Maybe you need that breakthrough. Maybe relationships isn't working out. Whatever it is, God wants to encounter your problem. And so he sent me to Abram in Genesis. So we're in Genesis 17, eight verses. I just got eight verses, three keys, and we up out of here. Genesis 17, starting in verse one, it says, when Abram, everyone say Abram. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and you will will multiply you exceedingly. Verse three, then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. Everyone say Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. Verse 6, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Verse 8, last verse, also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger. In all the land of Canaan, and as an everlasting possession, I will be their God. So here's Abram. God showed up to him, what, 20 plus years earlier, looked at him and said, Abraham, leave your family, leave your country. I'm going to make something of you. He said, Abram, look at the stars. Look at the sand. So shall your descendants be. Now catch you, he's 75 years old and don't even have a shorty. That's a kid for all my uncultural folk. If you need a cultural translation of anything I say, just see Pastor Jake. He got you. No kids, no seed. And God is giving him a picture. God will always speak in pictures. Some of y'all, God gave a dream a long time ago and you've let it go. Now, he has no children. He's 75 years old and God gave him a picture. Same thing he did with Joseph. He gave him a picture. So here he is 24 years later, 99 years old, and he's asking the question, so where we at, God? You said I will have descendants as many as the stars. And we know today the scientists can't even tell us how many stars there are. You can pick up one kernel, a handful of sand, and it's probably, what, 100 million? So what now? You promised me kids, you promised me descendants, and yo, we still here. And some of us feel that way. Man, God, I've been serving you, I've been praying, I've been crying out, I've been giving, I've been sowing, I've been showing up, and I feel like nothing is happening. So let's look at what happened with Abraham. Number one, when you get to the place where there's a now what, or so what now, you got to get in God's presence. You got to get in his presence. If you read the story, it's very powerful. If you read from Genesis 12 to 17, whenever God spoke to Abraham, the Bible says, and God said to Abram, and God said to Abram, and God said to Abram. This is the first time that it changed in verse 3. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him. See, Abraham's posture determined God's response. 
However you posture yourself towards God will dictate how he responds towards you. This is the first time in scripture we see Abram fell on his face. Now God said, aha. What is the language of the kingdom? Humility. If you humble yourself, I will exalt you. Abraham finally, 24 years. Come on, you think he's 75. That brother should know a little something. Age has nothing to do with wisdom. Wisdom in in Proverbs 8 is to be sought. So you could be 15 and seek wisdom. Or you could be 75 and don't. He finally humbled himself. And the Bible says that God talked with him. However you choose to posture yourself will determine how God responds to you. We must embrace the correct protocol when communicating with God. There's protocol to this thing. Yo, if, if your brother Trump show up to my crib and be like, hey, yo, Lamorris, I need you to be an ambassador to Africa. I'm like, all right, Trump, you know what I mean? I'm willing to serve my country, whatever you need, bro. You know what I'm saying? Now, if I'm going to be an ambassador to Africa, I got to know African culture. Like if I soar to a king in Africa, I might have to bring a chicken to something. You feel me? I can't be coming up there with no pair of Jordans. Somebody, here you go, my king. I got to know the protocol in Africa so that I can serve them correctly. Are you with me? What is an ambassador? An ambassador is a representative of the place in which they come from. So I can't go over there with my red, white, and blue suit on with flags all over it like, yo, AD, blah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I got to know the culture. I got to know protocol. Come on. The Bible says we are ambassadors of Christ. So there's pro- we bring the kingdom to earth. We represent a kingdom that can't be shaken. We represent a kingdom that's will, that will be everlasting. Now, when the Bible says don't use the Lord God's name in vain, that's not a curse word. It's been taught wrong. In the original Hebrew, this is what God was saying. When I bring you to this land and you say you represent Jehovah, you say you're a part of my family, you're my people, then you better rep me right. Because if you don't rep me right and you live like the pagans, you're using my name in vain. So you don't get to say you're a believer and live another way. You're using the name in vain, his name in vain. God is saying, Abram, you finally postured yourself. Now I can commune with you. Now I can talk with you. Some of us, you just need to get on your face. I stopped looking to the right. I stopped. I said, you know what? I'm just believing for my wife to be healed. That's it. I ain't going to worry about why, how, why me. I'm serving people. I mean, almost 600 people came to Christ under our ministry last year. I'm like traveling everywhere. I'm like, forget it. I don't even care. I'm getting on my face. It's almost like, why me? I'm doing kingdom work and why me? Why my wife? Well, I had to get in his presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. You, you depressed? You feel down? Well, you might not be in the, you in some, you're in the wrong presence. You need to change some things. We see God shift with Abram. Something shifted. What's correct protocol to come in God's presence? David told us in Psalm 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come on, that's just the gate. 
If you want to at least come to the palace to get in the gates, you better be thankful. When was the last time you woke up and just thank God for everything you have? Lord, I just thank you for this house. It might not be the one I want, but thank God I'm not on the streets. Thank you for these clothes, breath in my lungs. Even though my hairline receding, thank you, Lord, for it. Come on, somebody. I miss my straight line and it's gone. I could never get it back. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for a job. Thank you that I can walk, I can see, I can hear. Man, there's so many people wish they could be in your... How many of you guys know dead people can't complain? They ain't got nothing to say. They wish they had your problem. You get in the gate by Thanksgiving. Then he says, and into his courts with praise. So Thanksgiving gets you to the gate. But the question is, do you want to go deeper? It's protocol to this thing. God don't play. He is a king. We get so familiar with God that we forget who he is. Come on. The Bible tells us that God split the Red Sea with his nostril. God blew a booger and split the Red Sea. My wife hates when I blow my boogers. I'm like, God did it. I'm just trying to be like my daddy. Hey. God is so powerful, we cannot forget his majesty. I mean, John couldn't even write. He couldn't even get up in his presence. You don't think it's protocol? When you come, when you enter this house, your mind, just kick your kids to the nursery. Just kick them. When you walk in the sanctuary, everything in you should be the position of posture to enter his presence. You can't worry about what happened in the argument in the car. Come on, somebody. Couldn't find your left sock. Your hair ain't sitting right. When you come here, you shut everything out. And you say, you know what? I'm, Lord, thank you that I woke up this morning. That worship start getting you just enter praise. Come on, you get in the courts. And then it says, be thankful to him and bless his name. Come on. That's on you. You got to make the choice to do it. God isn't controlling. He don't make man do anything. He ain't tie your shoes. He ain't do your hair. Come on, somebody is quiet in this place. Abraham or Abram went from a place of God saying things to him to God talking with him. All because he changed his posture. If you're not getting the results you want in your life, then you need to change the seed. If you don't like the harvest, change the seed. Inside of every seed has the DNA to become exactly what is destined to come. That's why when you sow an apple seed, you don't get an orange tree. But in that DNA of one seed, one tree of a thousand apples. So if you got a thousand issues in your life, come on, somebody. Change the seed. Man, that clock moving too fast. Really quick. I didn't give them this scripture. Matthew 27, 51. Jesus is on the cross. He dies. 
yields it up, and the scripture says this, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. If you know anything about the veil at that time, it was a curtain, it was about 60 feet high, it was 30 feet in width and four inches thick. Now behind this curtain was considered the holies of holies. Now if you read in the Old Testament, only one person can enter was the high priest. They would tie a string to this dude's ankle with a bell on it. And as long as that bell was moving, they knew he was alive. The moment that bell stopped dinging, they had to drag that brother out. Come on. We had one man that had entered a place to make a sacrifice for the sins of all of the people of Israel. Who was our our high priest today? One man died on the cross to die for all of your sins. So when Jesus died, it gave us access to God directly. We don't need a man to do that for us. We don't got to sit on a box with a gate in between and confess our sins. We have, listen, the veil was torn from top to bottom. Why wasn't it torn from bottom to top? Because a man can grab it from the bottom. It was supernatural. When Jesus died and opened the veil for you and I to come directly to his presence. It's quiet in this Catholic church, Pastor. (laughs) Number two, you got to embrace the new you. You must embrace the new you. Listen to what God said. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. Come on. You know what that letter H in the Hebrew mean? It's the same letter that represents the spirit. It's a heck sound. Every Hebrew letter represents, catch this, did you know this? Every Hebrew letter represents a color, a musical note, a picture. Did you know that? God breathed into Abram new life. Do you know what has been breathed on the inside of you? Do you know? Oh, my gosh. That clock is moving too fast. Listen to me. When God created man, the Bible says he formed Adam out of the dust of the ground. I believe Adam was about 6'8", 280. Like the old LeBron, not this crackhead looking LeBron. Remember how swole LeBron used to be? That dude lost about, what, 30, 40 pounds? Better stop smoking that stuff. But I believe Adam was like that, built, eight-pack, come on, somebody, quads, shoulders out the wazoo, arms on swole, and I believe he had an afro. Why? Because it's easier to pack dirt. Come on, somebody. But he was dead. He looked good on the outside, but he was dead on the inside. And some of us live that way. Man, you know the title of my job. You know what I do. You know what I got in a bank account, brother. You dead. I serve some of the richest people on the planet who live in 8,000 square foot homes, sleeping in king-sized beds, and they have no peace. Brother, you might as well get a twin-sized bed. Ain't no point in having a house that big and a big old bed when you ain't got no peace in your life. They dead on the inside. But the Bible says God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. That word breath in the Hebrew means the peace of God himself. So you were made in this image. That word image means to take a photograph of. God took a selfie and made you. He'd been killing a selfie game way before this generation. So you look like your daddy, A. Your daddy's spirit lives in you, A. You should be able to conquer the world. So here is God's like, I'm tired of this. 
he breathed an H into Abraham, changed his name from Abram, which means exalted father. Your life ain't about you. I'm the only exalted father. But I'll tell you this, I'll make your father many nations. So he went from exalted father to father of many nations. So every time Abraham's name was said, what did he hear? Come on, somebody. Remember on Lion King? When the, uh, what's those little ugly Ed and them coyotes? What were they? Hyenas. Remember they was talking about Mufasa? He was like, Mufasa. He's like, ooh, say it again. Remember that? Mufasa, ooh, say it again. I could just see Abraham. Like, what? Father of many nations? Ooh, say it again. What's my name? Ooh, say it again. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. We spend too much time listening to ourselves instead of speaking to ourselves. Open your mouth. You have to learn how to override the inner conversations you have in your mind. You let your thoughts overrun you when you got to open your mouth. God was teaching Abraham something. All his maids call him that. Everywhere he went, when people asked his name, what is it, Abraham? Do you know who you are? You got to embrace the new you. You've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live, but Christ lives in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Do you know what it took to raise Jesus from the dead? That lives in you. That's who you are. You're a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. You've never been seen before. Come on. Stop letting your past identify you. Take off the labels. What the teacher said to you in eighth grade, what your high school coach said about you, what Shorty said about you, what your boss said about you. Take off the labels. You're a child of the king. You're an heir to the throne. That sounds crazy. Come on, somebody. It's quiet in this room. Let me give you the third point. I got three minutes. Let me give you one scripture. Psalm 139, 13 and 14. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, you heard that verse before. But anybody ever talk about the other half of the verse? Marvelous are your works. You are a marvelous work. You're fearfully and wonderfully made in your marvelous work. I took my kids to the zoo the other day. What was it? On my, uh, Thursday? Thursday? Anyway, all day. Man, we went to the insects exhibit. Man, there's so many insects, bro, I've never even seen before. I mean, little ugly little suckers, too. Come on, went into the fish thing. I mean, there's so many species of animals. You have to be an idiot. I mean, and, and please, you have to be an idiot to think that God did not form. Everything in this earth. Evolution couldn't have done that. Then how come we don't see anything half evolution? Right? Are y'all hearing me? It's amazing that y'all believe textbooks at school but won't believe the Bible. The Bible has been authenticated way thousands of years before a textbook came on the scene. When I see all this diversity, what God created, I think about us. None of those things are made in his image. Not one. But you are. 
Come on, you got to embrace the new you. Abram, you're not the father. You're not the exalted father. But I'll make your father of many nations. I'm the only exalted father. How are you? How have you exalted your father? Or are you exalting yourself? If you exalt yourself, you're going to stay in your problems. You got to humble yourself. Number three, and I'm done. You got to believe that God will do it. Do what? Whatever he promised he would do. Look what he said to Abram. Last three verses. Three times in two verses, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you and I will establish my covenant. Three times he said, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. You got to believe that God will do what he promised to do in your life. Which means you got to change your focus. Whatever you focus on, you will gravitate towards. If you focus on your problems, you're going to speak your problems. You focus on your issues, you're going to speak your issues. But if you focus on God's promises, you speak God's promises, that's when transformation takes place. The power of life and death is in the tongue. It's not in the mind. So you got to open your mouth. No, I am more than a conqueror. What the heck is more than a conqueror? We are more than conquerors. Greater is he that lives in me. Come on, you got to open your mouth. You got you to talk to your problems. You got to talk to your issues. You got to speak to your weaknesses. Don't let them rule your life. Don't let them conquer you. When you're at the place where you say, man, so God, what do I do now? So now what? So what now? No, I'm going to trust him. Trust in the Lord. When you get to the end of your life, there's going to be one looming question that I believe will be in every person's mind. And that will be this. Did I really trust the Lord? Did I trust him with my life? Did I trust him with my marriage? Did I trust him with my finances? Did I trust him with my babies? Did I trust him with my job? Did I trust him with my life? Did I trust him with my heart? Have you truly trusted the Lord? Have you trusted him with all your heart? Not half of it. Not some of it. He wants all of you. God does not want to be number one on a list of ten. He wants to be number one on a list of one. Have you put your faith in Christ? Have you bowed your knee to him? Have you bowed your life to him? Do you, I mean, honestly, do you really trust him? That's the prevailing question for all of mankind. Did you really trust the Lord? Let me pray for you. Father, I just lift up every person under the sound of my voice in this room. All of us at every season of life face challenges. We face issues. We face tough times. We come to a place where we ask the question of, so now what? What do we do next? I just pray that your right hand, your powerful hand, your strong hand, your right hand is upon every person in this room. I pray that they don't look to the right, they don't look to the left, but they keep their eyes flint towards you. That they choose not to lean on their own understanding, but in all their ways they will acknowledge you. They will put you first. They will call you to the forefront. And when they do that, you shall direct all our paths. And so from this day forward, may they stick their heart 
on the top of your heart. May their hearts become one with yours because they put faith in you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Jesus name. It's simple as that. And uh, I encourage you find a good local church. If, if you can get to fuel church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God until next time. God bless you. Have a great week.